Hi everyone, uh, this is Jeremy, co-host of The Cryptid Zone. You may know me from such radio shows as The Cryptid Zone. Uh, I hate it when podcasts do the weird thing where someone talks at the beginning and then they play the actual show, uh, but we're doing that, so I hope you're enjoying it. Basically, the reason I'm here is the audio quality was especially bad this month. Uh, it was bad last month, it's even worse this month. For some reason, my microphone decided to cut out for like 20 second intervals every once in a while and it made this episode a nightmare to edit but uh there we go the good news is uh as you can hear i'm a lot clearer than i have been before because i have new gear i have a new microphone uh so that episode you just heard and the episode you're just about to hear were with old gear after that so the next episode things are gonna get a lot better so if you can just bear with us for a little bit things will get less shitty uh, so we really appreciate you for sticking around. Uh, so that's enough of me talking aimlessly. We should also let Lois do that by starting the actual show. Uh, thank you. We love you. Uh, thank you for listening. And here is the show. Hi, I'm Jeremy Hughes. And I'm Lois Stone. And this week we are talking about the Axe Handle Hound. Yeah. The Midwestern dog monster. (laughs) I think monster is a bit of a strong word. Yeah, it it is. This was something I was talking to you when we, uh, talking to you about when we first, uh, when you first suggested this, is it is just like, like, Jersey Devil is like a winged crazy demon creature. Yeah. We did that one. Like, a huge owl person. We've yeah. done that one too. This one is just a... It's a dog. I mean, it's not just a dog. It's not just a dog. Don't it, belittle the accidental hound. That is just um, a dog, though, is yeah, the thing. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, I should also say that this was uh, suggested to me by my friend, Linnea Kuglich. And I wanted to just say, as we start... Okay. That it was suggested, and if anyone listening has any suggestions for future ones that we should do as well before we get into this, yeah, tweet us at Cryptid Zone, email us, enter dot the at Cryptid Zone. Yes, <laughs> is... uh, tweet us personally. We'll tell you about that one at the end. But anyway, yes. So thank you, Linnea, for setting us on what is it going to be an incredible journey. Yeah, thanks. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Oh God damn it! <laughs> I handle how not just. Well, <laughs> okay. So the axe handle hound, we should say, is a fearsome critter, which I would like to talk about more in a bit because I think they're really fascinating. For sure. So not not quite a cryptid. No. Well, so I think I think a good place to start. We've we've talked about this before, but um, what's his name? Aber Hart. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh George uh, yeah. Eberhart. George Eberhart. Yeah, I got yeah. it right. Amazing. <laughs> Gummy. Uh, has the, the cryptid classification, so he has ten different types of mystery animals. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a spectrum of different cryptids. Uh, and I think a good place to start is to say where on this spectrum do you think the axe handle hound belongs? So, besides having the ten different kinds of cryptids, mm-hmm. uh, Everhart also had the six different kinds of not a cryptid. Yeah. And I think that the axe handle hound gets put on the not a cryptid list. Really? Yeah. Where do you think it belongs? Well, because... One of the things is that it has to be significant in that it, it, like it sort of has to be big or weird or dangerous. And I don't think the accidental hound It's weird. I it think is, it's... Okay, that's fair. That's weird. But also, um, one of the things is that there has to be controversy about it. And there's no controversy about the accidental hound and whether or not it exists. Like, he, the, he's just recognized as, a, as part of lumberjack folklore of sort of the 19th century. Okay. Um, and so... And and this is this is actually a really interesting thing. Where so one of the websites that I was looking at had uh, an Ida uh, um, had a thing about that specifically said that fearsome critters aren't of the field of cryptozoology, but because they come from this very American tradition of tall tales. Sure. Um, and that 
And yeah, and that, so he, the, this guy, Leonard Sharp, who uh, puts together the Lumberwoods website, which we'll talk about a bunch because he's an absolute legend and that website's fantastic. <laughs> um, he, he suggests that uh, fearsome critters be classified as uh, natura ad absurdum, uh, nature towards absurdity, mm-hmm. um, because there are a couple that aren't American that we could classify. So Australia has the drop bear. Okay. Um, and then there's like a French example that he gave. Right. But overwhelmingly, these are very, very American, and they really come out of this like lumberjack tall tales tradition. Sure. Um, so I think that fearsome critters we're going to put in cryptozoology adjacent. Interesting. Yeah. I, Unless I, you have a different argument. Well, I was thinking it was actually going to be number two. Let me go back to the list here. Uh, so number two on the on the cryptid spectrum, which is undescribed, unusual, or outsized variations of known species. Mm, okay. So I, I'd say, I mean, I mean, I see your point about it not being, like, no one is actually out there hunting for it, in a sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's not a cryptid in that regard. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to. Like, little our friend, <laughs> the Axe Hound, would be like, oh, you don't count. Okay, you know, that's fair. That's fair. And we're, we keep speaking about it on Cryptid Zones. So, exactly. So it gets right. to I mean, And I, we, we are the foremost world authorities on what counts as a cryptid. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess we could just cancel this episode and go to the bar, if that's how you're going to be. <laughs> no, I, I promise. I have so much cool stuff to talk about, though. We can't leave. Yeah, me too. Okay, so we should describe the Axe Handle Hound. Yeah. Yeah, because we've, we've talked about where he might be, but not what he is, what he looks like. Uh, do you want to do this, or should I? Uh, you can go. You can go if you've got any really good quotes. I do. Well, I actually have um, uh, I have a, a quote from a book that I can, I can give. Yes. This is, um, so as you said, a lot of these fearsome critters came out of this uh, tradition, you know, turn of the 20th century American frontier. Like, yeah. Uh, lumber yards, people telling tall Not quite tales. frontier. You know, frontier's more prairie. We're talking... Right. We're, we're very... We're in the woods right now. All right. Okay. God. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I can't believe you just shut me down like that. This is actually going to be do, another do recurring episode. Do you want to do, you wanna do this? I'm just, just going to stop. Yeah, you, you do it. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. We just, um, uh, one of the things that I doing this made me realize is getting into the sort of lumberjack folklore is that I had these massive waves of nostalgia because we're actually taught about this stuff in school. Mm-hmm. So loads of stuff, not specifically the Axe Hound, but about loads of these other tall tales of Paul Bunyan and, and loads of the other stories. Um, and come from this like folklore thing that I really really taught so yeah. not only are we getting into a realm like very dear and close to my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I had all these things where I was like oh my gosh remember learning all of these things okay um, so anyway so we gotta be correct right I gotta not insult your your childhood my, my, also my your... cultural heritage yeah alright the white people of North America I, I I don't know. Like this is all about the like it's midwestern mm-hmm. kind of yeah, yeah. forest. Like I lived in the Midwest for a long time. Yes. I I count that as you know. That's true. You did live in the Midwest. I didn't I didn't grow up there, but <laughs> I was there for a long time. That's true. So you know I'm okay. a Midwesterner. So you should know that it's not the frontier. All right. <laughs> I know. I so so my impression was frontier is more like a time than a place. Okay. Um, okay, I'll accept that. Like, like that kind of turn of the 20th century. You yeah. Know? I mean, all of America was a frontier at one point or another from the perspective of the invaders. <laughs> That's true. Okay. But anyway, right. so we're clear these stories come from the woods, but continue. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that took way longer than I could have. <laughs> Great. Um, anyway, yeah, so, so all of these uh, fearsome critters are, you know, like basically lumberjacks telling each other tall tales about mm-hmm. these fantastical creatures and, and I've read a couple of, of places that they, they would like also play practical jokes on people it's like oh if someone's new here we're going to tell them all of these stories about these horrifying creatures like the, the what's it called the hide behind mm-hmm. that is always behind you no matter how quick you turn it's always behind you so you'll never see it Yeah, and, uh, and it kills people mm-hmm. um and people would tell stories like that in order to to frighten new people <laughs> and like pray, play practical jokes on them. Um, and a lot of this oral tradition was mortalized in a in a book 
by a guy called Henry H. Tryon, yes. uh, who in 1939 published a book called Fearsome Critters, which is just uh, basically an encyclopedia uh, of these of these creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've taken the extract from the book. This is the page on the axe handle hound. Yeah. Or as he calls it, Canis Consumens, which I think means uh, eating dog. Consuming dog. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up. Well, all right. <laughs> Some of us know Latin, Lois. I'm just saying. Okay, that's fine. You can know all I gotta, I gotta take my shots where I can. <laughs> all right, all right I, I won't interrupt again, probably. <laughs> okay. Uh, great. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. All right. Okay. The bane of supply in depot camps and northern logging operations has a head shaped like a PV axe. The body is slender and axe handle shaped, with short, stumpy legs. Looks like looks a great deal like a dax hund, but really bears a closer resemblance to B.B. Bickford's bureau dog. Distinctly a nocturnal prowler, frequents the camps after nightfall hunting for axe and PV handles, of which it is voracious fond. Oh, that's a good turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. It is voracious fond. One hound has been known to consume two boxes of DB handles and 16 six-foot PV stocks in one night's eating. They make nice pets, but are costly to feed. Jim Peters once tamed one. That was short-sighted. Because Jim had a wooden leg made from an axe helm. <laughs> the only way he could keep his leg whole was to wear it dead. But he got rid of the top by feeding it red oak handles, which it dislikes as heartily as any experienced chopper. There we go. I love this description. It's pretty good. It's pretty great. For several reasons. Um, one of which, Jim Peters, right? Using an axe handle as his fake leg. Yeah. What kind of balance does this man have? Because (laughs) axe handles are not particularly wide. And I was a bit like, Jim, what you do? Also, he's picking red oak, which is the weakest of the axe handles, to put his entire body weight on. Like, no, no, it, it, his his leg isn't made of red oak. Oh, that's right, it, that's right. He gives he's, it, he, he's feeding it oh, red oak. that's right. I take that part back. Never he, mind. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Jim. Uh, a couple of notes also. I looked this up. PV is uh, basically a manufacturer of things like axes from Maine. Yes. Like a big... I have some other information about PV. Okay. Do you okay, want to go okay. down the PV rabbit yes. hole? Oh, so much. Because... So I read some other stuff that was talking about uh, PV, and then it keeps coming up about that the axe handle hound... Um, uh, preferred PV handles because they're the best ones. Mm-hmm. So I was reading this and I was like, is PV actually that much better okay. than everyone else? So I did what anybody sensible person would do and I texted my brother. Okay. Okay. Now I don't know if I've told you about my brother before. I don't think so. Okay. So I am surprised because I think he's just one of the coolest people and if I talk about him, people will think that I'm cooler by association. Okay. So my brother spends his summers working as a uh, wilderness ranger. Amazing. Um, and at university, he's on a timber sports team. Which means that he competes in like lumberjack sports. Is that like like the caber toss? Uh, no, that's Scottish. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> no, so that's the only frame of reference in, I have. They compete in different kinds of um, sawing and different kinds of like chopping, and then they also do like axe throwing, and they do like um, this thing called spar pole climbing, which is a kind of tree climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that some places they do do, like, log rolling and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, my brother, like, studies the environment. So he's, he's like, a guy who knows his axes. He just, like, casually owns some. Last summer, there was, like, a tree in our backyard that needed some dealing with. And mm-hmm. my brother literally just, like, climbed up and started, like, chopping it down. Great. So he's, like, as close to a real lumberjack as we're going to get. Okay. So anyway, I, I texted him, and I was like, hey, is PB still around? And are they actually better? And he was like, yeah, they are still around. Um, but it's weird, and he he asked like why, and I said, oh well, you know, uh, the axe handle hunt prefers the the PV axe handles, and he was like, it's weird that they would have the axe handles because that's not actually what PV is known for. They're known for this other tool called the PV tool. Okay. So I looked this up, and um, uh, the PV tool was um, invented in uh, 1857. So. Uh, the guy who started the PB company, Joseph PB, was watching some lumberjacks drive logs down the river mm-hmm. and uh, noticed that they got stuck and the lumberjacks couldn't really move them at all. And so he's like, I'm going to invent a tool for this. And this was a guy who invented a lot of tools. I don't know if you read the list of everything he'd invented. I didn't know. It was, it's cra- so the, um, a, a PB hoist, so it's a hoist for playing stumps out, the mm-hmm. first hay press, the first wooden screw vise, the first clapboard water wheel and a, an unspillable inkwell plus like a bunch of other stuff like this guy yeah <laughs> um, so 
he invented yeah the the PV tool and it looks like a bit like a, a spear, so it's really really long. Okay. And it's um, uh, got this very pointed end, not not like an arrowhead sort of thing. Think more lance. Got it. But then where the metal sort of meets the wood, there's another hook that comes out, mm-hmm. um, sort of around, and then it had the point of it points back actually at the main hook, so right. that you can stab part of a log and then also stab the other part, and you can. Get it. Okay. So that's the PV tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was reading, I can't remember which other source. It was another um, of the old books. I wrote down um, where it says that, oh, where is it? Um, there was, it was one of the other old books that talked about all sorts of fearsome critters. But it said that um, the axe handle hounds preferred um, axe. Or PV handles. Right, okay. And I thought that that was really interesting that the, because obviously one of the cool things about Fearsome Critters is that we're like watching the folklore and like the legend mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. As it's happening. And it, it was really weird that, I don't know, that maybe that's originally how it was, but obviously loads of these people writing it down aren't familiar, especially all the people writing the blogs and everything. Right. And so it would have originally been maybe Axe. And PV handles. Yeah, I mean that's that's how it's written in this book. Is yeah. it, it talks about PVs and axes. Like yeah. it literally says that passage I read earlier is um, frequents the camps after nightfall, hunting for axe and PV handles. Yeah, and then there was right. another. I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, that yeah. So it's it just yeah. So we've like lost that where we're like, oh yes, PV must be a kind of axe, which it is, but mm-hmm. also like wouldn't be as important. And also if PV was the only like company making axes at the time yeah. then or making these tools at the time then if you're a lumberjack like it's even more valuable right you know whereas lots of people are making axes yeah it's true and we've been making axes since the beginning of human you know yeah since, since we first tied a flint <laughs> to a stick yeah the first axe yeah um, yeah, so that that's my little tangent about PV tools and also shout out to my brother <laughs> cool there we go um um. Yeah, and oh, I have. Oh, hold on, one second. Right. Did okay. I find it? Oh, it was from Paul Bunyan, Natural History, from 1935. This is the, book. the okay. axe or PV handles. Oh, that predates the the first and Chris's Chris's book then. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, I found there were a bunch of books. So I was said that I wanted to talk about the Slumberwoods website that this guy Lenwood Sharp um mm. sort of curates. And he, he has a project of doing loads of sort of folklore books. And the oldest one is 1910 that I found. Oh, wow. Called Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods by William T. Cox. Yeah, I've um, heard of this. Yeah. Yes, but it didn't mention the Axe Handle Hound. Right. Um, but what was really cool was he apparently was the first Minnesota State Forester and Commissioner of Conservation. Um, and he he came up with, like, illustrations and names and stuff so he was, you know, he was just like I'm just going to write these down yeah. and I was like good on you Mr. Cox good work um, yeah and, uh, and and saves loads of them for for today um, yeah because you were talking earlier about the uh, the sort of pranks that Lumber Jackson pull yeah um, one of the famous ones is the snipe hunt I see this is the thing I've heard the term before but I don't really know what it means okay when I went to summer camp growing up snipe hunts were like still a thing okay like, and I looked up, and the oldest source they have for this is 1840, and I was like, that is some staying power yeah. for a practical joke. Almost 200 years. <laughs> yeah. So what it is, essentially, is that when you have someone new come to camp, you're like, oh, you need to catch a snipe. Right. And you tell them all about the snipe, and then you give them, like, a bag, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, you go into the woods, we'll get the snipe to come to you, mm-hmm. and then you catch it, and then you just, like, leave them in the woods. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty harsh. <laughs> That's not very nice. No. So did you did you do a snipe hunt then? We, we did not do a snipe hunt. Oh, you didn't. No, no, no. Um, no, I, I remember people talking about them, and I also remember my mom the first time I went off to sleepaway camp being like, "Right, so you're from the city, mm-hmm. so let me tell you about a couple things <laughs> to not fall privy oh, to." Oh, so she warned you <laughs> yeah. about the snipe hunt? Yeah, she did. Okay. And cow tipping. There were a couple other things where she was like, "Don't let these non-city people get you," yeah, because. <laughs> They're gonna try. Yeah, bamboozling you with their country ways. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what you can't uh, what you can't see on the podcast is uh, Lois just tried to take a drink of water and it went all over her. Yup. 
I'm an adult. And I had one other um, note from that passage from the book, yes. which is it mentions B.B. Bickford, who, as far as I can tell, is just a friend of the author. Is that what you found? Well, I found other references to him <gasps> in the I book. Okay, okay, tell me. In that same book. Uh, basically, it, it just uh, elsewhere in the book references, again, it says, Mr. B.B. Bickford of Gorham, New Hampshire. Mm. And then talks about him in reference to a different fearsome critter. Mm. And the way that's phrased just makes me think, oh, this is just a friend of yours that you are. like." So basically, in this description of the axe handle hound, he is pretty much just saying... Um, it looks like a dachshund, but honestly, it, it looks more like my friend's dog. <laughs> well, see, because I was wondering if maybe he was another person who was writing Tall Tales stuff. Maybe. Because but... what I was finding was that apparently there was this period where it was really popular to just come up with these stories and to print them in newspapers. Okay. Um, and to, like, and books and stuff. So some of it, like, the this passage, the first printed ones, is somebody wanting to record, like, tall tales that are being told mm-hmm. um, by the lumberjacks. But sometimes newspapers would just come up with stuff. Yeah. Um, and, like, so much so that there was... Uh, that President Theodore Roosevelt, like, derided it. Oh, and, like, he was, like... Was he, like, stopped doing this, you guys? Yeah. he, he It says that uh, he was interviewed in 1907 by Everybody's Magazine, which is a great magazine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he denounced the fake nature writings. Um, <laughs> and so then... Apparently there were sayings, uh, like, this is a quote from one of them, um, wonder what Colonel Roosevelt, the despiser of nature uh, um, fables, thought of the Emperor of Austria with a two-headed eagle on his coat of arms. <laughs> <laughs> so it became like a thing where they're like... Oh, Goddamn Teddy. <laughs> yeah, wonder what the president would think of this. Yeah, ruining our fun. Yeah. Um, so, but but because if it was like prevalent enough that the president was making comment on it, yeah, yeah, that it makes me think that there were a lot of people writing it. So I was okay. wondering if maybe BB Bickford was another. I think yeah, was writing it quite possibly, especially if um, what's his name? Especially if Tryon is like referring to him in in reference to a couple of different. Uh, fearsome critters then I think that would make sense all I know is I tried to do a search to find out more about it because this literally is just like looks like B.B. Bickford's dog and I'm just like who is that who Mm -hmm. is this guy Um, or person I guess we don't know B.B.'s gender but um, I did did some searching and all I could find was references from this book yeah and nothing else I don't know maybe if we did more digging we might find something out but if anyone else out there knows anything about B.B. Bickford yeah if you know B.B. Bickford (laughs) Who is now probably about 150. Yeah. Uh, then... <laughs> Dermatologists hate him. Yeah, send us information. Yeah, yeah, let us know. If, if you're listening, BB, <laughs> we want to hear from you. Um, okay, well, what have you yeah. got? That's, okay, that's so around. I found that book as well. Um, I also found a review of that book, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. Is this um, like a modern review or a contemporary review? A contemporary review. Great. From, uh, when did this come out? 1941. Okay. Um, of the book. Um, I'm gonna warn you, it gets a little racist. Oh, no. <laughs> but I thought that I should mention that it got a little racist. Yeah, it's always good to to warn people about that. Yes. Oh, no, I'm, I'm now a bit <laughs> apprehensive about hearing okay. this. Well, I'll read the interesting part. Because um, it talks, so... Uh, it talks, it, it calls it like an amusing little book of 68 pages, okay. half of which are illustrations. Mm-hmm. And of course, books would have been pretty expensive at the time, so that's, you know, pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and apparently, it says that uh, Mr. Tryon, was his name, uh, had yep. been uh, inspired 30 years earlier while he was traveling around this town, and he was wanted to record all the stories he was hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, The logger and the lumberjack have led adventurous lives and were always fond of practical jokes. Though his greatest creation is Paul Bunyan, he lives in a world of lesser creatures, animals terrifying, vicious, unique, with which the imaginations of the woodsmen have delighted to play. Perhaps some of the queer creatures in this modern uh, bestiary were thought up deliberately, though others must have originated in some startling adventure or appeared in the visions of a man on a spree. These experiences or visions were carefully elaborated for the bedevilment of tenderfeet and the amusement of those in the know. Um... 
Which is great. I like the, the phrase <laughs> bedevilment of tender feet. Yeah. I'm using that in conversation. Um, yeah, so essentially, yeah, people just come up with these or sometimes, you know, would see something and mistake it for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then it talks about a couple um, of the, the examples. So, you know, the hoop snake and the wampus cat and the cactus cat and everything. Yep. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the racist bit now. Okay. Because I think that we do need to acknowledge what it's implying. Okay, brace so, myself. It says, um, uh, it says in all these fanciful beasts, we find an element of humor and absurdity characteristic of the superior white man, quite different from the tales of Negroes who take seriously the monsters in whom they believe. Oh wow. Fuck that. <laughs> it took a hard left turn. Yeah. Um, this thing as well is only about five paragraphs long. So, um, yeah. So, I read this and then I was like, should I mention it all that this mm-hmm. got really racist? But then I, I started thinking and was thinking about how these stories were taught to me in my childhood. But that there's obviously a massive tradition of sort of similarly themed stories that the black communities of the time would have had. Yeah, for that sure. That weren't taught. Right. And so I wanted to just make a little space for like that lost okay. or underrepresented cultural heritage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because like, the school district I go up, grew up in was not actually mostly not white, so it's like, I mean, even more of a I mean, it's a loss regardless, but also even mm-hmm. more so that like the only narrative being told is not even the one that represents the communities that are in the school, um, which I thought was a kind of a bummer. So, yeah. yeah well, so the, do we know what the like what the history of like the logging community is? Was that all like white mm. people? Like, um, I don't know for certain. I think like up in Maine and stuff, it definitely would be. I don't know about when you get to the more midwestern areas, because mm-hmm. um, I know that like the uh, sort of like cowboys of the time were very very racially diverse. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that extended up to um, like the northern reaches of. Right. Canada, so I can't. I can't answer that question. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting question of like like definitely that that all of this kind of thing will be has been filtered through the lens of yeah like white people. And, and I and, mean, I do wonder if he he does classify these olive stories of white people that maybe it's mostly maybe white. yeah yeah because he is saying like but but he's reviewing a book he read so I mm-hmm. know how like how much of that might could be just. The, that person bringing their own biases to the table and assuming like um, like I, I have no idea I'm, yeah. I'm just saying it's, it would be interesting to know whether like in what context these stories evolved yeah um, like I guess there's no way of knowing for us really without really properly doing research <laughs> in, a, in a more rigorous manner that I at least have but I don't know it's an interesting question yeah um, yeah so I, I, I don't know about where that came from uh, oh, we might have to look into it yeah. for future stories. Definitely. Um, yeah, but that—that that, anyway, that was the review of of Tryon's book. Okay. Um, and I thought it was interesting as well that it was the book was considered in such a way that it was reviewed in the Journal of American Folklore. Oh, cool. So, right. I yeah. So it was like had some had some standing of the time. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I also, I found another book that has a description of the Axe Hound, and I was wondering if you would read for the section. Oh, so okay. So it's from yeah, a book sure. called Yarns of the Big Woods by Art Childs in 1922, and it's the story, it's, it's like somebody telling the story about the Axe Hound, and I thought maybe your dulcet tones could okay. do it justice. Okay, great. That sounds good. <laughs> <clears throat> uh... The Axe Handle Hound. Oh, I've read this. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. Yeah. An autumn chill had crept into the air, and the brushwood bonfire, sending its little fingers of light into the unfriendly darkness, was the gathering place for the hunting party. Guess I'll cut some wood and pile it up for the night, suggested the lank guide, unfolding himself from the comfortable position in the fire glow. He disappeared in the cavern of darkness. In a few minutes he was back. Doggone if I can find my axe, he remarked. Near as I can remember, I had it last night down by that big oak. He made another dash into the night, only to return empty-handed. My own fault, he muttered. I reckon the axe-handle hound's got it all right. Axe-handle hound? Go on, grinned one of the party. 
Meant to say you never heard of an axe handle hound? The guide cocked a solemn eye at him. One of the worst nuisances in these here woods. It's about one and a half times as big as an axe handle and looks like its name, having a long body covered with rope-colored hair and a hatchet face with saw teeth and cross eyes. The darn thing prowls around at night looking for axe handles, which is the only kind of food it's been known to touch. Nicest axe I ever had, moaned the guide, as he made another sally off into the night in search of the axe or the hound. Woo! That was great. Thank you for reading it. Oh, I ruined my throat doing that voice. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure I'll talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like that as well, because obviously the other ones give us just information, but I like that that actually like, gives yeah, us how the story was told. Yeah, it's like a dramatization of... of and, and I wonder in that, right, in that context whether the, the guy who's looking for his axe, you know, that guide is actually just like messing around and yeah. he, like he doesn't actually he hasn't lost his axe but like he's bringing some new people in and he's like playing up the whole thing of oh no the axe handle hound has got my <laughs> axe oh no uh which i i that's the impression i have of how these kind of things were like propagated and yeah i just had a memory of going to camp and we had a sort of tale of, of a beast called the tadger okay which was half tiger half lemur half badger don't add the half up. Okay, it's, it's <laughs> 1.5 creatures. Um, um, but the Tadger would come and, like, mess with your stuff if you didn't, like, tidy. Okay, so this is definitely just, like, a get the kids to tidy type yeah. thing. Like, I don't know if the Axe Handle Hound has, like, a, a well, kind of a message in that regard. It does. But... Keep track of your Axe Handles. You know, keep track of your axes. Don't just, like, leave them around willy-nilly. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, if you do, then... Right, the Axe Handle Hound will... Yeah. The handle. Why the handle? Why specifically the handle? <laughs> well, I think it's harder to digest the metal of the of the axe head. Maybe, but but also I suppose the axe handles, like if you do lose them, they just do look like sticks. So if you're logging and you put down like a handle, but but so <laughs> so the thing is the the thing that I don't get is if the axe handled hound eats the handle, then yes. there should just be like axe heads yes. sitting around. So mm-hmm. I wonder if there was a that was a thing. Oh. It's like, oh, oh no, my axe, I left my axe out, and now it's, the, the handle is gone. Oh. Like, is that a thing that could happen? Me? Well, someone, one of the things I read suggested the beavers. Oh, might, yeah, might good call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, maybe. That makes sense. Um, but it is also just, like, don't leave your shit lying around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially, like, your fairly deadly weapon type shit. Like, exactly. Oh, no. Because if you step on it or something, yeah, you know, that's... God. <laughs> health and safety. Yeah, it's like a much worse version of that Sideshow Bob rake situation. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, because um, uh, one of the things that... One of the, um, the things I was reading was saying was that some of these... The fearsome critters probably also were to explain like bad things that happened. So like the hide behind, besides being paranoia, also one of the things the hide behind did was like just snatch people. Right. And so you know could explain why sometimes people just don't come back to camp, mm-hmm. which is kind of terrifying when yeah. you think about it. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we should talk about a less terrifying of the other fearsome critters. Yeah, for sure. Do you do um, you have? A good lead-in for this? Like, do you have something lined up? Or do you want me to... Um, I don't really mind. I've got some stuff about um, uh, Paul Bunyan, generally. I don't know. I'm not a big Bunyan aficionado, so... Well, this is one of the things where I was like, I remember, like, having to watch videos in school about Bunyan and all this. Mm -hmm. And when I started researching, I was like, Paul Bunyan has an ox. I think the ox's name is Blue. I can't remember. And then I had this like this moment of crisis. So for the for the uninitiated, do you want to describe oh, yeah. so who Paul, Paul Bunyan, Bunyan is? So Paul is a sort of a literal giant of American folklore, mm-hmm. where he is a giant lumberjack, um, and he has an ox who's blue, who's called Blue, yep. uh, who's a giant ox, mm-hmm. and they sort of just go on adventures. Yep. Um, together so they have chopping down trees adventures i remember distinctly watching uh this one video in school that told a tale about how they had a fight and that like created the rocky mountains because they pushed up all the dirt um and then i also remember very distinctly a story about paul bunyan throwing blue into the sky and making a constellation but then i was looking up like paul bunyan constellations and i could find 
literally no information about this. So this is like a childhood fever dream of yours. <laughs> just like... um, no, I think, well, one of the things that it was saying was that Paul Bunyan was definitely like a character that featured in a lot of stories, and it wasn't until actual later stories that he became a giant. He was just like some dude in popular stories at okay. first. Um, and then there was a logging company that used him as like a mascot, and he sort of came into the national eye. And then, um, uh, and, but then one of the things it was saying is that like later on, loads of schools did just start telling stories um, about him, and that there are just loads of stories about him that have been made up specifically for school children. Okay. So I'm wondering if maybe these things were in that later camp. Of, right. Things just made up for school children. Right. Maybe your teacher literally was just like, oh, yeah, here's some shit. But it was a video. I remember it being oh, a video. Okay. <laughs> oh, we so, have to track down this VCR now. Yeah. Contact my old elementary school. Like, yeah. I need this. <laughs> I might still have it. How long ago were you in elementary school? Oh, a, a while. Also, yeah. they renovated the school since then. So. Oh, no. Yeah. It could still um, be there. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. True. You can do Maybe. some YouTube deep dives. I didn't actually do any YouTube deep dives for this episode because I was having too much fun on the Lumberland website. So I did try to do a YouTube deep dive. There just isn't very much on uh, on either the Fearsome Critters or the Axe Handle Hound. Well, maybe we could do a Paul Bunyan <laughs> Yeah. Let's do the uh, Paul yeah. Bunyan special sometime. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but there was this one book called Paul Bunyan Natural History that was from 1935. Um, but it calls all the fearsome critters um, bunion beasts. Oh, it's just like rebranding. Well, it's like, these are mine now. But, I mean, this is from 1935. So, but but I do sort of like that because, this I don't know, it sort of tells you from the get that you're going to get creatures associated with tall tales. Mm -hmm. um, so I did actually really like those. They like what kind of mythology that you want. But it says, but it, one of the things that it says is that, like, now, so at the time of writing 1935, that um, most bunion beasts are extinct or rarely seen because logging's on the decline. Oh, that's really sad. I know. I'm really bummed out. <laughs> I mean, how, how does that work? Like, surely the more trees you cut down, the less these creatures are, like, less of a good time these creatures are going to have. Yeah, but I guess, like, their habitat's going away, so... Oh, because so much logging has just yeah. ruined the environment. Mm -hmm. Oh, grim. And also, I think with, like, mechanized logging stuff, there okay. are fewer, like, lumberjacks. Right. It's, it's about the decline of the, the lumberjack culture, I guess, yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and, not... I, and also, the more you log, like, the fewer backwoods there are. And I think yep. that backwoods is, like, a key part of, mm -hmm. uh, of the, the, you know, lumberjack folklore. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so for Paul Bunyan, there was a uh, a magazine that ran stories about him in 1914 in um, rhythmic prose. Ooh. So in the style of like the Iliad. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and it's um, yeah, and it calls it a faithful American take on the genre. Oh, interesting. Paul um, Bunyan's Iliad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it was in yeah the American Lumberman. Uh, yeah, and that was published in 1914, and then he was turned into a marketing strategy in 1916 in the way of all American things. Oh, grim. Um, not that all American things become, you know, marketing strategies in 1916 specifically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also I did look up that uh, the ox was called Blue. Uh, didn't initially have a name, but was later called Blue. But uh, to give you an example of how, like, sort of ubiquitous learning about Paul Bunyan is, I was talking to two friends who are also Americans living in the UK, mm -hmm. and I was saying that I was researching about Paul Bunyan, and I was like, but I couldn't remember the ox's name, and, like, they instantly, they just both went blue, obviously. Everyone knows that, of course. <laughs> of course. How could Tom you not Norris. know that? Um, yeah, and then this article I was reading also gave some, like, claims about who different characters in Paul Bunyan's crew were based on. Okay. But I hadn't actually... I didn't remember Paul Bunyan having a crew. It like, was like the Merry Men, you know? Right, okay. But loggers. Yeah, his... So, his yeah. Twelve disciples. <laughs> Lumberjack Jesus. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so we had, like, Canada Bill, who was the camp cook in the stories. Uh, Dutch Jake, who's okay. like another lumberjack. Uh, Saginaw Joe... Who's like part of the crew? That sort of sounds racist, and I'm not sure why. Okay. <laughs> I li I li I'm sensing a theme here, which is just name of place, generic man name. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so those are the three that it talked about and, like, who they could be, but okay. I hadn't actually heard any stories that had, like, specific names in them besides Old Paul and, and Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, I think that's that's all the my Paul bunyan stuff. He was a guy, and all the stories are sort of based in... What what are the stories like? Is it like them them doing a thing, them encountering a thing, or? Uh, yeah. So I think some of it's like Paul Bunyan has this challenge of how much wood he can chop. And okay. Didn't you hear that one time that Paul Bunyan chopped an entire forest down in like a single afternoon? Okay. Um, so it's just him being a really good lumberjack, yeah. basically. I okay. think some like some of it. It's like him in blue having a wrestle and creating. The mountains. Okay. Um, yep. So I think, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Uh, there was one that I was reading that had a story about him in a um, uh, working in a forest that was in the middle of a river that just went in a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they put all the logs into the river, but then there was no outlet, and so then they had this whole problem, and then they had to solve that. So it's just it's just this really giant okay. lumberjack okay. dealing with. Um, fluid dynamics. <laughs> I mean, every good tall tale has fluid dynamics. It's true. Um, there's a really, really famous uh, set of statues of Paul Bunyan and Blue in uh, North Dakota, because they're in Fargo. Oh, cool. And then they're also in Gravity Falls. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's that's where I know this from. Yes. It's Gravity Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention Gravity Falls again, actually. Okay. If this is a good time. Yeah, this is a good segue. So, in on the Lumberwoods website, they had a thing about the Wampus Society, which uh, was... Uh, where did I? Which was about fearsome critters, and they said they were an association banded together during the time of Paul Bunyan in the old-time logging camps, um, and they give some where. And they, like, tell you exactly where, but I'm not going to try to pronounce these places. Okay. Um... It says it was the design of one uh, Vera Cristaldi, former Magnus Apollo of the ancient order of uh, mule skinners. A notable intellectual of his day, Cristaldi was ahead of his time, versed in the arts of fortune-telling, wampusry, and blood-tapping. Uh, and it says, today the Wampus Society serves as the foremost authority on fearsome critter cataloging and research. It is fully accredited as an educational institution by the Buckhorn Tavern and House of Science and Learning in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Um, so, <laughs> so actually email back. Yeah, I know. I saw the email. I saw the response as well. Well, I haven't actually seen the response. Oh, you haven't seen the email back? No. Oh, do you want me to read the email yes. response? <gasps> Happening in real time. Yeah. Uh, let me let me pull this up. Um, Is it going to be them calling me a fool? No, no. This is from Lemwood Sharp. It was a really nice from email. Lemwood Sharp? <gasps> yeah, let me read it for you. I'm such a Lemwood Sharp fan girl. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, let me let me read the response. Okay. Good afternoon, Ms. Stone. Yeah. The Wampus Society is a loose band of individuals with interests in fearsome critter cataloging and research. It is comprised of persons from all corners of the globe with varying life experiences and backgrounds. Through thought-provoking yet extremely intermittent correspondence via email and social media, this humble association discusses various related topics. Their names are recorded in the Wampus Society's secret book, oh. The Wayfarer's Book of Wampus. <sighs> The Society is first mentioned in Henry H. Tryon's 1939 book, Fearsome Critters, stating thus, The Wampus Society, which is composed of every man who has seen a rampant Wampus cat at dusk menacing a mountain lion with a jackhammer. Uh... I would love to tell you more, but not being able to find information on this group is not a coincidence. Being vague and mysterious is at the heart of the fun and largely what makes this group so interesting. Uh, however, oh, and this is uh, a shout-out to Lemma Sharp, um... As I'm currently in the middle uh, of a Kickstarter, I would be willing to break some of our usual conventions in exchange of mentioning my Kickstarter on one of your podcasts. <laughs> Plus, any further information you may require, I look forward to hearing from you in due course. <gasps> sharp. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't realize you hadn't seen that. We should I definitely respond. Uh, we I'm should. I have actually information on on I have, sharp. Yes, I have it right here. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, well, let's do a let's do a little. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I I looked at his kick. I've actually donated to his Kickstarter because I was like, I'm using your website so heavily. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Would be bad not to. Yeah, I should do the same. Yeah, so he um uh he has his whole bio on his Kickstarter, and I thought it was really interesting. So, I hope you don't mind me sharing because it said he's a U.S. Army vet. 
um, and he has a BA in International Studies as a minor in Holocaust, Genocide, and Human Rights Studies uh, from UNC Charlotte. And he does graphic design for a local nonprofit, and he's been running Lumberwoods for a decade. Um, but his his comic that he's kickstarting is called Weird Halloween. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, it does. Um, it's launching uh, in October of this year, supposed to. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have the website out. I do. Yeah. Do you want to give people some information on the projects? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me let me read from this. Yeah. Uh, Weird Halloween is a gritty drawn retro style full color Halloween themed cartoon strip to be made freely available to everyone via WeirdHalloween.com. Taking its inspiration from a fusion of four things one can never have too much of: Halloween spirit, graveyard humor, pure nostalgia, and weird fiction. It is about a young girl, her monster friends, and the paradox of her being afraid of people and not monsters. Mm. That sounds really good. Yeah, it does. Uh, the the name uh, of the of the Kickstarter is Weird Halloween. I think if you just Google Weird Ho- Halloween Kickstarter, you'll you'll be able to find it. Uh, yeah, please go there and and donate your money. We'll also I'll throw up the link on social media when mm-hmm. this goes live. Um, oh wait, by the time this goes live, I think this Kickstarter will have finished. Yes. But the web, the, um, uh, that's what I was saying, but the, the thing should be up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah, give it a look. Um, yes. Like the comic should be up, yeah. Yeah. We can do some editing here to, to make this make sense. But yeah, check out Weird Halloween at weirdhalloween.com. Yes. Uh, it looks really cool. Yes. Um, yeah, and this the whole website, the Lumber website, is so cool. And he runs like a Tumblr that is constantly posting like old weird news stories and stuff. So Lenwood Sharp, I'm a big fan of you and your work. Yeah, me um, too. And um, yes, but I didn't. I didn't know that the Wombus Sussex. Oh, I'm so excited! You can't see me, but the entire time that Jeremy was reading, I had just my hands on my cheeks. You did look very excited. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't sure if they'd actually email back. Yeah. Um, and also. I didn't know what the email would be like because I was wondering because okay, because I looked up the Buckhorn Tavern and I was wondering if maybe the Wampus Society was in the vein of like a snipe hunt, you know, like oh I see, like if I was going to email and they were going to be like, you fool, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they didn't, which is great. Yeah, that's um, a dream. I know. Um, but also, yeah, so I looked up at the Buckhorn Tavern um, mm-hmm. in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. It's not there anymore. Oh, no. But it was a bar and restaurant that existed, from what I can tell, from the 1950s to 1970s. It may have been before the 1950s. Um, and it was originally owned by this guy called Otto Rindelsbacher, who was a taxidermist and, like, also picked up instruments and stuff. But he used to, like, have actual taxidermy animals, but would just, like, make some up sometimes. Okay. And I found some old pictures on, there's, like, a historic Rice Lake Facebook page or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that this connects to Gravity Falls is that it really reminded me of, like, the Mystery Shack in Gravity Falls. Oh, cool. So, like, just sort of weird stuff everywhere and, like, fish with, like, animal pelts put on them and everything. And then he had a... um, uh, a display that got mentioned on this article I found called The World's Largest Assortment of Odd Lumberjack Musical Instruments, which were just like stuff that he'd made up. Um, and so you could go, so it was a bit like the Mystery Shack, except that it was also a bar, so. I mean, that sounds ideal. <laughs> yeah, really? That's like, that's, how can you improve the Mystery Shack by putting a bar in it? Yes, and so it want... had like a restaurant in the back as well. I want to go to that. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. We should make one. Yeah, let's open a, open a lumberjack bar. Let's move to Wisconsin. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's where they said that they're they are based, the Wampus Society, and are credited by. Cool. Um, and also, this Facebook page with the old pictures—it was really nice because all these people were like commenting with their memories of it and about going and like having burgers and stuff. It was just very sweet. That's really nice. Like the internet, man. Yeah, the internet can be okay sometimes. Yeah. Once in a while. Every once in a while, yeah. Once in a blue moon. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's let's let's move move on. What's next? Okay. Um, Do you got something? You can have something next because I just had a thing. Okay. Well, I'm. I, my thing is, I the other big reference that I had when mm. I was researching was actually um, something I didn't realize existed, which is Jorge Luis Borges or Borges, mm. um, the Spanish writer. Is he uh, Spanish? I guess I don't I know. I assume so. so. There, I'm going to do find, some like, quick an googling. Institute, 
that was related so to I've him. I've definitely written some, uh, sorry, read some of his short stories before. Um, I didn't realize he did short stories. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he wrote a very famous, um, oh no, he was Argentinian. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but he, yeah, obviously he wrote in Spanish. Um, yeah, yeah, he he was a, a short story writer, like an essayist and poet as well. He read, uh, sorry, he wrote, God, I'm confusing those two a lot. Um, <laughs> there's one one story of his that I really love that's very famous that I am blanking on the name of, but it's all about um, going to uh, going to kill someone. Uh, what's it? What's oh his gosh. name? Uh, this is not good radio. <laughs> I'm just I'm just scrolling through. Uh, a list of things. God, what was it called? What was it called? Um, Garden of Forking Paths. That's it. Uh, I really like the Garden of Forking Paths, which is basically um, it's it's kind of uh, uh, like branching storyline sci-fi mm. type story. Um, it's very very good. I recommend people read that Garden of Forking Paths. Um, it's just uh, it's a pretty quick read, but it's it's really cool and interesting. Uh, anyway. He wrote a lot of things, but one of the things he wrote that I had no idea he'd written was a book called Manuel de Zoologica Fantastica, which is the book of imaginary beings. Oh. So he basically wrote like a, like he was like a poet and stuff, but he wrote this encyclopedia basically of fantastic creatures and cryptids, um, which is really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. I wonder if we're going to return to it at some point because so. he draws on a lot of different references you know it's not stuff he came up with it's yeah. all all like folkloric animals and cryptids that kind of thing um but he has a section called it's not a super long section but it's called fauna of the united states and it basically runs through a bunch of these um uh, fearsome critters yeah including the axe hound um uh the the summary that he puts at the start is the yarns and tall tales of the lumber camps of Wisconsin and Minnesota include some singular creatures in which surely no one ever believed. Um, <laughs> it mentions a few. It mentions the the hide behind. It says um, this is the there is the hide behind which is always hiding behind something. No matter how many times or whichever way a man turns, it is always behind him, and that's why nobody has been able to describe it, even though it is credited with having killed and devoured many a lumberjack. Um, it goes through a few others. It, yeah. it gets to the axe handle hound. It just says uh, it has a hatchet-shaped head and a handle-shaped body and stumpy legs. This North Woods Dax hound eats only the handles of axes, which is all that it says about the axe handle hound. It does mention some other ones. Um, <laughs> I, especially my favorites here are the fish that he runs through. Okay. Uh, the first, uh, he says, Among the fish of this region, we find the upland trout. They nest in trees and are good flyers, <laughs> but are scared of water. I, I, yeah, I read about that one. There's another fish, the goofang, that swims backward to keep the water out of its eyes. <laughs> That's not how that works. I mean, it is for that fish. <laughs> it's described as about the size of a sunfish, only much bigger. This is a pretty good, pretty good book, you guys. Yeah. We shouldn't forget the goofus bird that builds its nest upside down and flies backwards, not caring where it's going, only where it's been. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, it's deep. I don't know if he has the the hoop snake in there, but that was one of the ones I liked reading, which is a snake that bites its own tail and then like rolls. <laughs> like a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't mention that one. Um, and then there was the the wampus cat. Um, uh, yeah, I heard about the Wampus Cat, but that's not yeah. here either. Well, but then, the, I, I can't remember what about the Wampus Cat, but then it came up, and then it was like, oh yeah, it got mentioned in this children's like novel that Julie Andrews wrote. Oh, okay. That I actually used to own, and then huh. decided I needed to own again. Great. And bought on Amazon for a pound, so I'll nice. report back about it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, bring that back in another show for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. Any any other tidbits from? I think that's book? it. Those are the highlights of that okay. section of the Borges book. That's exciting. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> we'll definitely come back to it. What have you got? Um, let's see. Um, I've talked about Paul Bunyan. You have um, at length. I love him. I think. I think that's what I'm realizing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, um. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, um, I'm done, Trish. 
Um, I talked about the uh, Rice Lake. Mm-hmm. I've got my little list of things I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, I don't know. They're just um. Oh, yes. How could I forget? Okay. So on the Lumberwood website, there was a page that I I hunted down. There were like it was very. I don't know. Maybe it's not clear to me because I don't understand how a computer works, how the website was set up. But anyway, I kept going down these rabbit holes. And mm-hmm. I found one where it just had some articles that um, Mr. Lenvacharp had written. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite of which was called Meet the Leroy Jenkins of Lumberjack War. Yes, I read this. <laughs> yeah, I saw this too. Yeah, and I loved it. Um, and it it just says, that like, I mean, we all know who Leroy Jenkins is. We do. Of course. We were on the internet uh, however many years ago. It just had an anniversary, that video. Did it? Yeah. God, it's going to be a a higher number than I'm comfortable to I think think it's like 15 years. Jesus. H. Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if we have any um, children listening, um, then Leroy Jenkins was an iconic video of the early days of, like... It's like World of Warcraft. Well, it was it was in that like age where like we were just figuring out what viral content was. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, one of the first memes, probably, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Back before memes were ten a penny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got memes, it at the local corner store. Yeah, memes have undergone inflation seriously <laughs> since then. Well, you would have to go to your friend's house whose dad worked in IT, so they had a computer at home, and mm-hmm. you just watch weird videos together. Yeah, I mean that's still what happens. It's just everyone can you, do it. You now. don't do it in the computer room now, you know. Yeah. With like their little sibling being like, "Can I use the computer? I want to play Barbie mm-hmm. horse games." Um, I anyway, mean, don't throw shade at Barbie horse games. Actually, they were really legit. <laughs> um, I, I'm a big stan of uh, Alan, Hitch- Alan Whitaker's horse life, the Wii. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I played a lot of horse games growing up. We all did. <laughs> We've all been there, kids. <laughs> We've all been there. Anyway, Larry Jenkins was in World of Warcraft, and it's like a video of a... Gilled? That's what uh, they're called, right? If you if you don't know what Leroy Jenkins is, pause this podcast. <laughs> Go watch the video. Cause type Leroy Jenkins into Google. <laughs> yeah. Because because we could describe what Actually, it is, yeah, no, I, but I let's just not just we just should. if you if you yeah pause now. Okay, so now <laughs> everyone knows what Leroy Jenkins is. Yes. So anyway, Leroy Jenkins. So. Uh, Leonard Sharp says that the Leroy uh, Jenkins of Lumberjack lore would be the come out of body, which is sort of the size of a woodchuck, but will charge a lumberjack, which obviously is not a fight it's going to win. Yeah, sure isn't. Um, but it says that the come out of body is a varmint that possesses a ferocity that stands in direct defiance to its actual ability to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can empathize with that. <laughs> yes. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like this. And, and you know, if if you just like, oh, what should I do this evening? I don't have much to do. Just go to the Lumberwoods website, have a poke around. Just have it hang out, yeah. Get Put a, on some nice music. Yeah, have a go read through some of the old books that they've got hyperlinked up there. Yeah. Um crack a cold beverage or warm beverage. <laughs> any temperature really. Whatever uh, beverage you want. Yeah. Live your life. Know. And flick through the book yeah. and, and have a good time. You learn something. Yeah. Yeah. You got nothing else? Um, I don't think so. I think I've talked about everything I wanted to. Yeah, my I'm my reserves are empty also. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time to call it a day on the accidental hound. What do you think? Yeah. Any I think closing so. well, closing statements? So we can't really do our would you date. Yeah, no, it's just a dog. That's but beyond then the pale. I was like, would you would you have the accidental hound as a pet? Oh yeah. For sure. Okay, see, I was thinking about this, right? Because I was I was looking around at my uh, my home, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I think that my stuff would be safe because as a young 20-something, um, I can't afford wood furniture, so there's nothing that can be destroyed. Well, no, no, it doesn't eat wood, though. It only it eats, eats axe handles. But, no, but see, here's the thing. But then I was thinking, the reason I don't have wood furniture is because I can't afford things made of wood. So, like, can I afford... How how many axe Like, I found one quote I should have mentioned where it talks about how much the axe handle hound eats, and it's a lot. So, um, so here's, here's my solution, okay? Okay, yes. 
one-time investment okay. in an axe head. Yeah. Right? Okay, okay, like the metal bit of the axe. Uh, okay. okay, okay, so we go with this. Yeah, then anytime you, like, like if I go for a run down to Fletcher Moss Gardens, mm-hmm. I'm going going down to the woods, yeah. I'm passing through there anyway, just pick up a few bits of wood. Mm-hmm. When I get back to my apartment, I take one of those sticks and I attach it to the axe head. Okay. And now, by via the transitive property, I don't know yeah. if I'm using that right, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I have attached this stick to the head of an axe. Therefore, yeah. philosophically speaking, it is now an axe handle. Oh, Because okay. it's the handle to an axe. Oh. And so as soon as I I imbue it with axe handle dumb yes. through the use of the axe head. Yes. And so through that method, I can I basically found a way of turning stray wood mm-hmm. into food for oh. my pet. So I just need to collect wood every time I go out. The park. So interesting. So, like, the ritual use changing the terms of materiality of a natural object. All right. You know that. Actually. <laughs> no, this is mostly like, I could write a paper on this. Yeah. No, please do. <laughs> One day, when I have time again. I, I want contributing author. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yes, we'll make that happen. Yeah, because okay, yeah, um, the thing that you read earlier, it talks about that he, he has two boxes of DB handles and 16 six-foot PB handles in one night. Yeah, but, but so so we don't know what the like the requirement is there. We know yeah. it'll eat a lot if you put a lot in front of it, oh, but we don't know okay. like we don't know how many it needs to survive. It's probably a lot less than that, I that's reckon. Okay. Probably like one, uh, one every few nights. Okay. Because like how, how many axes is the lumberjack going to have? Like, they're not going to be getting a new axe every day because the axe handle hound has eaten them all every day. Okay. They've got to, like, scavenge, and every once in a while, someone leaves out their axe. Yeah. And then it's like a crime of opportunity, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. ah, that's mine. So I reckon just one every few days would be enough. Okay. Oh, all right. Because that was my big concern about would I keep the axe handle hound as a pet is could I provide a stable enough home for it? You know, I don't want to be a good... Yeah, a good pet parent. Yeah, but I think if I could, as long as I could keep it in axe handles, I definitely do it. Right. So, so the nice thing about about that approach is you can stock up on wood, right? Mm-hmm. But then, but then, the, if you leave that wood in your apartment, the axe handle hound won't touch it because it's just wood. But then, as soon as you stick one of those sticks in the axe head, it becomes food, right? Yeah. So you can stockpile food mm. uh, and gather it every once in a while. So you know, there you go. Very Problem solved. Perfect. It is a problem solved. Right, so in in summary, yes, I would have an axe handle hound as a pet. Do you think the axe handle hound would talk, get along with the other cryptids that we've talked about? Uh, I don't know. It seems pretty chill. Yeah. Like, like I don't think maybe not the Jersey Devil because the Jersey Devil eats animals. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, it's been known to like chow down on livestock. Although it would have a bad time if it ate, tried to eat the axe handle hound because the axe handle hound's head is like an axe head. Yeah, so you yeah. wouldn't eat an axe, That's or you true. if you tried, it would go badly. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I maintain that Alman is is chill. Yeah. All right. So get on with Alman. Yeah. I found something that said that. Um, oh, the mythology wiki said that um, the abilities of the axe handle hound was that they have sharp snouts, which can be used to cut up wood and other things. Um, as well as if they are attacking or defending, they also have the abilities of dog as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the abilities of both axe and dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I mean, I hadn't thought about this until you said it just now, but I mean, an axe handle hound is basically an axe with little stubby legs. So you could just like pick up your dog, yeah, and like in an emergency, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm. Uh, I can hear screams coming from the apartment across the way. Something terrible is going on. There's a fire. I need to break the door down. Just get your dog yeah. and bang its head against mm-hmm. the the door repeatedly. It would be the best thing, actually, for like home security. Because they say yeah. you should get a dog because like barking dogs will scare off intruders. Yeah. Plus, if the intruders actually come in, you've got an axe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can murder intruders with your dog. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Okay, so yeah, that's a yes. That's a yes. So would yeah. So would have one. Would get along with Owlman, who does yep. live in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know we know that the accidental hound also lives. Would probably not get along with Jersey Devil. I don't think so. No, yeah, I don't think so. I, I feel like the Jersey Devil is a solitary figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. There you go. Yeah. 
There we go. Um, this has also inspired me that f- with all of these weird news uh, articles that I kept coming across, that maybe in the future we could just do a, a crazy news article episode. Yeah, I'd like to do that too. Okay. Or we could we could even every week just oh, sorry every episode um, just just like see what's in the news scripted wise yeah. that would work too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Strange goings on. <gasps> Are we doing like modern ones or what about historical? Either. Okay. You know, I mean, it might be good to to go contemporary, but who knows? We'll do both. Let's do both. Do both. Why not both? Why not? Perfect. Insert gif here <laughs> of the little girl. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, do you have anything else? No, that's it. Let's say goodbye. Okay. Well, we have to see what we're doing next time. Okay. What are we doing next time? Okay. And and we got to jump two ahead because there's a there's an offset. Oh yes, for everybody listening, we record these two in advance because we're very busy PhD students and we have to give ourselves a buffer. Yeah, it's nice to have a little buffer. Um. <laughs> um. So. The next one that we will be recording is uh, the Mokele Mbembe, mm-hmm. which is in Africa. Yes. Um, so if you're listening to this, we have already recorded it. So and yeah. So just get excited, really. Yeah, really. Um, the one after that we're going to do is El Chupacabra. Yes. <gasps> Woo! Which you may remember <sighs> from the first episode is my favorite cryptid. So if you have any Chupacabra stories, thoughts, emotions, uh, links to sources... Send us that. Yeah, send us everything. Everything. Anything and everything. <laughs> um, Bombard our, uh, our message place. Yes. Yeah. Wait, where are the message places? <laughs> the message places. <laughs> uh, yes, the secret message calls. Uh, Jesus. Um, Cryptid Zone, at Cryptid Zone on Twitter. Yes. Is where you can hit us up if you if the, your thoughts and questions are 130 characters or less. 140. Oh, <laughs> oh no, because they got to do at oh, Cryptozone they do at the start. And that is... A number? 11 characters if you're including the space, so it's actually 129 Okay, so, so 129 characters. There you go. Okay. Uh, if, if you don't want to do that, you can also email us at enter.the at cryptid.zone. Yes. You can find uh, our, our podcast website at cryptid.zone mm-hmm. if, if you want to check that out. Um, yep. Yeah, hit us up with any questions you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at SuppetsLois. That's S-U-P-I-T-S-L-O-I-S. Yes. Um, and where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Jeremy underscore Hughes. Hughes is spelled H-E-W-E-S. It's weird. But yeah, come say hi. You can find links to both of us and the show's Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. If that's the thing you want to do. Mm-hmm. Where um, else can they find you? Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I do a music <laughs> video show as well. Uh, which is called Distant Stations. You can find that on Twitter at Distant Sounds or mixcloud.com slash distant something stations. There might be an underscore or a hyphen in the middle. I'm not sure, so look at the Twitter. It's a fun radio show to listen to. I always listen to it when it comes out. It's just, you know, I listen to a lot of music and I, I like to share that music with people. Yes. Uh, and they, at the moment it's coming out monthly and the shows are like two hours. Uh, it's a big mix of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, slow stuff, quiet stuff, loud stuff, fast stuff. Medium tempo and volume <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's just a lot of stuff. Just a lot of stuff, a lot of new stuff, a lot of old stuff. Uh, yeah, if that's the kind of thing you're interested in, yes. check it out. Alright, is that the end? That's the end. Alright, well thank you for putting us in your ears. Yeah, it's been fun as always. It's always so much fun to do this. Um, right. We'll be back again at the same time next month. Yes, we will. Woo! Goodbye! Bye!